Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for joining us. I do promise to all of our, uh, all of those of you who download us, uh, catch us on iTunes, download us at BaseballAmerica.com. One day there will be another podcast where I don't host. <laughs> uh, I promise that's going to happen. But uh, I'm, this is one of the things I get most excited about uh, work-wise. So I'll, I'll take a break, I promise. Uh, but for those of you who enjoy having me on, uh, thanks for listening. Getting lots of John, so hey, you lots, lots, to, lots to enjoy. But we, uh, we're going to wrap up our World Baseball Classic podcast section, talk a little bit about what the Classic was, what's in store for the future. We'll take your emails at podcast.baseballamerica.com. We have a great email this week about the Classic, JJ. And and we can promise that this is also, if you are tired of World Baseball Classic, not like us, because yeah, we're, we're not in any way tired of World Baseball Classic, but this is probably our last World Baseball Classic podcast for, for three years. Four years. Four years. Yeah, and, I'm glad we had another one three years after the last one, though. I really do like it. Uh, I think we both agree, JJ. This is this is a significant event. It is getting better. I don't mean to sound like Bud Selig, because I will admit that there are flaws, and I don't think one of the flaws was the intensity of the American players. I think the Team USA had plenty of intensity and plenty of want to. Uh, the bottom line is, when it comes to tournament baseball and this event and the timing of it, the best team won, and uh, the two best teams were in, in my mind, were in the final in Japan and Korea. And I, I do think that Cuba was probably the third best team in this event, and I think Venezuela probably was right there with the U.S. for the fourth, and since they played twice head-to-head, once when it mattered, once when it really didn't, I, I think Venezuela probably has to qualify as, as your, the fourth best team. So uh, yeah, in my mind, those are the top five baseball nations in the world, uh, and uh, you, you put those five teams in a hat in any tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them won it, with, with you know, the Dominican being the obvious exception that wasn't involved. Top six nations in the world, and not international baseball, I just mean in terms of talent. talent. But uh, th- Those five and the Dominican, and you know, at least the U.S. was not the Dominican this time around. Yeah, no, this is actually, I don't think that you can look at it and say, man, you know, if Davey Johnson had just done this, or if USA right. Baseball had done this. I mean, they, I think they did put together the best team that they could put together of the guys who would agree to play. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, that's a, a a key distinguishing factor there. I mean, no, it wasn't the best U.S. team that could be put out there. I mean, and especially you saw it with the pitching. It would have been probably nice for the U.S. Now, hey, the U.S. lost in the semifinals with really a guy who, no matter who you said, okay, pick, you know, which U.S. pitchers you can, and, you know, you can have anybody. You know, Roy Oswald is a guy you may have put you know put out there in that game, especially with his international experience. Those two guys would have been on the short list, uh, PV and Oswald. They wouldn't necessarily be at the top of the list, but they'd be at the sh- on the short list. I mean, would you love to have Tim Lincecum out there? I would. You know? Yeah. I mean, if I were picking first, uh, what big league pitcher I really wanted out there uh, for one game, Lincecum would be really close to the top of my list especially because of if his you're, stuff. Especially if you're also going to face a team that hasn't seen him before. Exactly. He's so unique. He's unique. He has ridiculous stuff. He's young. Frankly, he's got a rubber arm. I mean, but, I that's part of it for me. But that, but really the thing that you could say about this team, what they needed was, is that, okay, Jake Peavy had an awful 
last, you know, what ended up being his last start, at, right. you know, at, at the World Baseball Classic. But there was no question that if the U.S. had won, you know, in the semifinals, Jake Peavy was going to start, you know, the final right. because they weren't going to go with Ted Lilly. They weren't going to go with Jeremy Guthrie. Right. That's where it really sunk in, like, okay, their options here are much more limited than, like, the Japan team that <laughs> – Okay, yeah. so when are we going to start Matsuzaka? And when are when we, we going to use between Iwakuma and Darvish? Yeah, when are we going to use the guy who might have either the best or the second best arm in the entire event? I mean, between Chapman for Cuba and Darvish for Japan, and I'm, I'm not saying best pitchers, but those are the two best arms in the event. Those are the two hardest throwers in this event. Chapman up to 100, 102. Darvish regularly 95, 97. So... You know, Japan was able to, and now I think this is, this is why Japan's team was the best team. They had depth. They lose their corner infielder, Sugichi Murata. That's right, Sugichi Murata, in the who was, had two of the team's four home runs. He does not play in the semifinals and finals due to a hamstring injury. It does not. They don't miss him. They don't miss him. The United States uses, loses its best hitter in the first two rounds, Kevin Euclidus, and they missed him. They didn't. They missed him against Japan. There's no doubt. Kevin Euclid was a huge presence, and not only that, but he was a first baseman. They couldn't replace him with a first baseman. So you have Mark DeRosa having to play first base. Now Mark DeRosa wasn't the problem, but the problem was you're having to use a guy who you wanted to use in the outfield, and but, and you have to use him at first base, a position that he really wasn't familiar with. And, and that does sum up also the the point. If there is, you know, if you want to make a criticism of the World Baseball Classic, yes. Do other countries? There are other countries that take it more seriously than. Right. Many players in the U.S. I mean, the example of Murata gets hurt. They didn't. Japan didn't have another infielder sitting around waiting to be activated yeah, in this continent. They flew someone <laughs> in from Japan, and he was thrilled to fly in. Absolutely. You know, you know, now we didn't get a story. Maybe there was someone who turned it down, but it sounds like that their first choice. You know, it's like hopped a plane and was. You know, hey, cool, I get to play in the World Baseball Classic. I'm gonna guess he was very honored. Whereas play. in the U.S., it was something where. You know, Derek Lee was almost was upset that he was asked, and that he kept, they kept on asking him after he first said no. I mean, he actually called it disrespectful. Then he said, "Well, I guess I understand. I wasn't the provisional roster." But his first response was ah, kind of disrespectful. They kept asking me when I'm hurt. I mean, <laughs> what other choice did they have, Derek Lee? I mean, this is how the rules work. They really didn't have another choice. They added the one guy they possibly could, Evan Longoria, but uh, I, I think the, the the timing of the event. I guess what I'm my question to you, JJ, is: Do you think the timing of the event, it coming in spring training, is the number one reason why Japan has won back-to-back championships, '06 uh, and '09, or do you think uh, that Japan just is? Does the World Baseball Classic and two championships in the WBC and the success of Japanese players like Ichiro, Daisuke, etc. in the United States, does that say that Japanese baseball has, in effect, caught up to? Or perhaps even surpassed North American baseball. American baseball. Do you think Japan's quality of baseball is either validated or proved better than American baseball by the World Baseball Classic? I don't think anyway you can say it's proved better than. Although it's definitely different. I mean, and right. hey, it's to be honest, it's a better, it's a more fun game to watch. We'll get into that in a minute. Right. But but when you look Two at it, questions. But when you look at it, yes, the timing definitely suits Japan well. But partly because they again they take it more seriously. They started training for this. There, there's no such thing as a pitcher on the Japanese team who's going out there and going. Well, I'm hoping to get into close to 
regular season form, mm-hmm. or well, he just didn't have it today. But you know what? He needs his innings to get ready. He's so got his work in. Right. <laughs> so we got his work in. You're not seeing that on the Japan team. You're not seeing that on the South Korea team. That helps. You know, like we're seeing a Japan team, a South Korea team, who are really in regular season form, going against a U.S. team, a Venezuelan team, a Dominican team, that they're not. But that's, you know, that's not, hey, they're taking it more seriously and they're being rewarded for hard work. I mean, Absolutely. That, that's that. Th- that being said, you know, this is a great thing for baseball. The argument that why baseball was taken out of the Olympics was is that, you know, there's two main arguments that were used. One of which is, is well, the stars don't play in it. And that's, okay, that's, that's, that that's argument's still there. That's a fair argument. The other argument is is that, well, it's really kind of a, a sport that doesn't have nearly the worldwide presence that a lot of these other sports have. And so, you know, is it truly as, as representative? What we're seeing here is, is now, yeah, the, no, the Japan leagues are not to the level of what the U.S. Major League is. Right. I mean, it's not. Otherwise, Tuffy Rose would not have had the career he had right. there. <laughs> that being said, no, there are absolutely, like, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. I mean, coming up in the issue, and, you know, we'll have it coming up online also, we're going to have a, a top 10 prospects of, uh, you know, from the World Baseball Classic. And let's make this clear. If we're just sitting here discussing it, I don't know if there's a player who was a regular on the Japanese team that you would look at and say, oh, that guy can't play in the big leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there were, even the guys smaller of stature would make they a would role, be, yeah, would they, find a role in the United States. Especially, they might not be everyday regulars or stars or all-stars like they are in Japan, and, but they would be contributors on good major league teams. And that's not the biggest impact of the World Baseball Classic, though, is that South Korea, we're going to see. I mean, now, the rules to get over from South Korea are in some ways even more difficult Correct. than it is to get a player over from Japan. But... You know, several years ago, Lee Sung Yap, who is basically the Babe Ruth for the Hank Aaron or whatever you want to call it right. of Korean baseball, Korean baseball, he came over, worked out in spring training with the Cubs for a year, and he made a lot of noise of, hey, he was in the Korean baseball organization, like of maybe making the jump to the U.S. Ended up not happening. He ended up going to Japan, where he's been a, a very successful hitter until recently. You right. know, where he's kind of he had, he had a really bad year last year. The question at the time, though, was, you know, well, really, can anyone, can any hitter from the Korean League make the jump over to the U.S.? Right. I don't think that's a question anymore. That like, oh, no, these guys, you know, they're not good enough. I mean, Absolutely. you saw the Korean pitching. I mean, yeah, it's... I don't, think there, I don't think there's a question. I mean, just because, like, we saw Young Bong, Young Kyung Bong for uh, the Korean team. He ended up being kind of their ace, despite the success that Hun Jin Yu had in the Olympics last year. I think they trust Bong to match up with Japan. Right. Uh, U was like their matchup for Cuba or maybe for the U.S. But uh, against Japan, they wanted to go to Young Bong, and Young Bong's kind of a failed American prospect. But um, you, know, you can see, I mean, he did get to the big leagues, and you could see why he was, I mean, he's a big league talent, and that's the kind of pitching and, that the K- Korean hitters are seeing all the time in their league. So, and, like and, you said, like the Bum Ho Lees or the Day Ho Lees, some of their corner infielders, those guys have Ty Kim, you know, they have yeah, Ty Kim. They have they have big league potential bats, and then and defensively they have size enough. And then defensively, the Korean players are Korea and Japan both were at another level, and I think that's the difference. Like I said, it's a different style. And we've all, we we talk about this in the office all the time because we both love the the old Bill James historical abstracts and the new one. Um, but the you know the the style of play often is dictated by the stadium, by the ballparks, 
And that's what I think you see Korea and Japan play basically as if they all play at Blair Field with wood bats instead of metal bats. I mean, or they're all playing in Riverfront Stadium in the 70s. They play a power speed defense game, not just a power game. And the United American players in the big leagues are playing in 1950s ballparks. So guess what? We're playing a lot of 1950s baseball. And the thing about it is, is that when you watch it, it's sad in some ways to see in that it's like, you know what? This is a more exciting brand of baseball. There's like, no doubt. Not, for me, there's no doubt. Yes. We've seen, you know, U.S. fans love home runs. And I, Chicks you know, dig the long ball. There's no doubt. Right. And it's, hey, a home run is, you know, like, you know, the home run chases we've had, you know, which kind of been a little downgraded now that, you yeah. know, go, oh, well, yeah, actually that was the steroid chase, you know. Right. But, but, but home runs are, if you have a game that's based around home runs and walks, what you have is nothing happening, nothing happening, strikeout, strikeout, long ball. It's always strikeout. what I've said about the money ball style of play. I've but been saying it for eight years. There's not that buildup of tension that there was in that Japan-South Korea game where it's like, okay, a guy, you know, slaps a single, and then it's like, okay, you know, they're going to either bunt him over or is he going to steal second right. or, okay, and now two strikes, this guy's going to, you know, really cut down his swing, but he's going to make contact. There was... You know, they're going to put pressure on the defense. You know, you'll see, wow, they turned that double play. That really saved a run, and that right. run is crucial. I mean, this right. isn't a 9-8 game where you just go, ah, oh, you know, it's a Runs run. Runs are cheap, yeah, exactly. You know, South Korea turns a double play to save a run. It's like, man, I didn't think they were going to be able to turn that double play. Well, how about the second-round game with Korea and Japan where the Korea got that early lead on you uh, Darvish and how aggressive they were, how aggressively they ran the bases, how they took advantage of every Japanese mistake. And then you had eight innings of tension of, is that league going to hold? And Japan and all the efforts they were making to try to get a run here, a run there, uh, that was a tremendous game. And I, I just think this style of play – and the thing is, J.J., to me, the, the classic, uh, besides the fact that it's tournament baseball, and tournament baseball is something that's kind of anathema to most baseball fans in the United and States. And it's exciting. It is exciting. I think if you follow college baseball, you realize that tournament baseball can be very exciting. And it's about more than just abusing pitchers. Um, but <laughs> but, but uh, it, tournament baseball can be exciting, A – and B, that style of play, to me, can be a template for what baseball should try to get past, to get past the steroid era. But it's going to be hard because these 50s-style ballparks do lend away. themselves to 50s-style baseball. So it's, it's going to be a challenge, but perhaps in a post-PED era, we'll get a, a style of play that more resembles uh, what works for Japan and Korea, and to a lesser extent, Cuba, which I think is actually more of a North American style team, they step back and wait for the long ball. Well, the one thing that I just thought of when you about your question about you know well, the Japan League, you know, has mm-hmm. they caught up or whatever? One place that I don't think there's any debate that not only has Asian baseball caught up, but really surpassed is if you want to talk about. I mean, I don't want to sound like some you know eighty year old you know who's you know yeah. back in the good old days. Yeah. But when it comes to fundamentals of baseball, yeah. when it comes to Turning a double play when it comes to, you know, basically or a pitching, a, pitching not throwing. When it, comes, when power, it comes to that, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Asian baseball is ahead of North American baseball, and there's a good reason for that. In the major leagues, there's the assumption, you know, you don't take infield every day. Right. You'll wear yourself out. Right. In Asia. You practice. The, you practice every day. You know, it's like when we're I was talking saying, about practice. We're, you know, we're not talking, a game, but practice. When you're talking about like that double, the double plays they turned, they're turning that double play 
20 times a day. Yeah, they're turning that for like the thousandth time this year already. <laughs> no, no and doubt. And this is why that, that those teams look like teams. Yeah. They've been practicing together long enough now, and they've taken enough infield. And they've, you know, where, yeah, that shortstop and that second baseman may not be teammates, you know, in Japan or in South Korea, but they've played together long enough that he knows, okay, he's going to be right there, you know, and I get ready, and he and and the second baseman coming over knows the ball is going to be right here where I can get rid of it quickly. One guy might be a Dusan Bear, and the other guy might be an SK Wyvern, but uh, when they play for South Korea, they are a team. Yes. No doubt. Love to throw out a little Korean uh, baseball team uh, nickname knowledge there. It's a Baseball America podcast. He's JJ. I'm John. But I agree, JJ. The, the, to me, the biggest difference is that in Asia, baseball is a practice sport. They play a lot of games. Not maybe as many in the United States, but it is a practice sport. Whereas in baseball, and baseball in the United States is a game sport. You do practice, but there are a lot of more drills and that kind of thing. But it's not a practice sport. You practice in spring training, but during the season, yeah, the pitchers not a lot of practice. The pitchers are not doing their you know PFPs in during July. the season. You yeah, know. and we know sometimes that shows up. See Tigers, comma Detroit, two thousand six, and yeah. you wonder if that can really change uh, if American baseball. Uh, with the union and with the amount of money involved, will, will that ever really change? But you know, you talk about like the, the Baltimore Orioles when Mike uh, when uh, Trombley took over as our manager, they take a lot more infield and a lot more. Uh, they do practice more right. than the average big league team, and that was almost seen as almost like revolutionary. Wow, a major league team that takes infield like three times a week, and that's it's almost sad that that's the state where the game is. It doesn't mean that the American game isn't entertaining or great. But I think Japan and Korea are showing us another side that is entertaining and, in my opinion, better. And you know, we got a mailbag question we're going to go to in a second. But I just the, the story that I think kind of sums this up nicely, that's not from you know the World Baseball Classic, but we, USA Baseball is based you know now here down the street from in, us. in down the street from us here in the in the Triangle of North Carolina, and so we'll get to see you know team. Japan, the college team, will yeah. come in, you know, and a couple of years ago. I know yeah. John, you know, I'm going to pass this on to John because John was doing the, uh, I believe, the color commentary on this game yeah. where Japan faced the U.S., and they do things a little differently. Well, the game was like a one nothing game, I think, a 13-inning game. Um, it was an unbelievable game, the college national teams of the two teams. And the pitcher for Japan, I don't remember exactly how many innings he pitched. I think it was or, 10, if I remember I right. think it was a 10, inning, uh, 10 innings that he pitched. I'm pretty sure it was like 130, 140 pitches. And then after the game, he didn't have time for questions because he was running. <laughs> he was he was running to sprints. He had to get his sprints in and get in his work after the game. I mean, like, and the thing is, Nolan Ryan did that. And, hey, hey I just finished <laughs> the Roger Clemens book by Jeff Perlman, yeah. which, by the way, you know, we'll have a review coming up on the site. Really good book. And I say this as someone who didn't go into it going, hey, yeah, I really want to read more about Roger Clemens. Right. But for all the other things that Roger Clemens did before he ever got into the PEDs and all, say this, Clemens, his idea was is that you know he would run after games and all because and he would work himself to death in spring training with the idea being, you know what? When you get to August, you're going to have to know how to pitch tired because Correct. you're not going to be fresh in, in, in August. And so I'm going to learn how to do it now. I'm going to have that muscle memory that when my legs are well, wearing out on me. How about our latest uh, not, uh, prospect diary with Garrett Brushhouse, yes. or Brocious, I should say, Bro yeah. of the uh, Giants? He writes about that exact subject, about being a rookie in his first couple camps. The veterans said, hey, slow down. You're making this all look bad. 
and now he's learning. He says he's, you know, he's training smarter, but some of, sometimes I wonder if that's really training smarter or not. And I just again the stories of Dice coming. He he works himself to the bone in spring training, so that when he's in re- the regular season, the regular season is easy. The practice well, in the preseason is hard. And the one last question: When we go, we got a really good yeah. mailback question we want to go to, but. When we watch a Yu Darvish, when we watch a you know Yunjin Ryu, and you know uh, uh, Iwakuma, yeah, Hisashi, uh, Hisashi Iwakuma. Iwakuma, they're great. I do wonder, can they be like you know, Yu Darvish comes over, he's going to be very good. There's no doubt. I mean, his arm is as good as pretty much yeah, anyone no in, in the big leagues, but that we still have yet to see a Japanese pitcher come over. I mean, it's a different approach. Absolutely. It's a different training. Regimen. It's a different. They pitch more often here than they do in Japan. Yep. Does that all? You know, I I think that always. You know, you do have to work in the fact that there is going to be a, a. I mean, for lack of a better word, a translation factor in that. Daisuke, you know, is not the same pitcher in the U.S. Right. That he is even in the World good. Baseball Classic. He's still very good, but he's not the same. Yeah, six and zero in the World Baseball Classic and two classics and two MVP awards. And I think to me, what it all sums up is. Major League Baseball is a tremendous brand and style of baseball. Is it the best style of baseball? I think that's always been unquestioned. And I don't know. I think now, I still think it is, but I'm not as sure as I used to be. That's what the World Baseball Classic, the last couple of classics, have taught me. That's that's and, what I take And away. you know what? If, you're, if you pull down, and we're, hey, we're both Americans, you know, who, I mean, yeah, go, I, go yeah, USA, you know. Absolutely. That being said, if you pull down the red, white, and blue glasses for just a second, this is a great thing for baseball. No doubt. You know, what other sport, what other of the major sports that we think of as major, like, you know, I'm sorry, but at this point, can hockey be, you know, hockey, yes, you could say, you know, the the NHL is one of several great leagues of hockey. Right. You know. Is the NBA for sure the best league in the, in the world? Yeah. I think it probably is, but I mean, the gap is... Narrowing. It's narrowing, but I'll say And you're going to get to the point if the NBA gets in worse financial shape, if you listen to Bill Simmons and and these kind of things, where a couple years from now, you're going to have a chance where some European teams, especially in Russia, with the petro money they have over there. Well, that they had over there. Well, that they had. (laughs) Well, they're going to have it again. uh, That 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 league could be competitive. But the thing about this is that what we're seeing now is, is, you know what? Down the road, I mean, World Baseball Classic is great. Down the road, could we possibly, I mean, down the road, not next year or anything, have a true World Series? It's, it, I think I think that's what the World Baseball Classic could naturally lead to. This year, in 2009, one thing to look for is there will be a, a World Cup, and I, it's, it's going to be very Euro-centric, and this World Cup in the fall in Europe, at several sites throughout Europe, the International Baseball Federation wants to spin that off into a European league. And I think that's something to look for internationally and Look what the Dutch did this year. It was fluky. There's no doubt it was fluky, but they did beat the Dominican twice when it counted. And Italy certainly was with the Cristinorfias and the Jeff Fiorentinos and a bunch of Italian-Americans. Um, but I, I do think that's the next frontier for baseball. And if anything ever happens in India with baseball, with these two Indian pitchers with the Pirates and the fact that it, India's Cricket Foundation now has a form of cricket that's a three-and-a-half-hour game, and they had bigger ratings for that tournament last year than the United States has for the Super Bowl. More people watch this cricket tournament than watch the Super Bowl. You imagine that kind of passion and how many people there are in India and what if baseball gets a foothold there. The, 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 you know, this game, as Bud Seeley pointed out, was broadcast in China. Uh, think about how in Japan the rating 
for a 10.30 a.m. game on a Tuesday morning for the WBC final was a 36.4 rating. That just tells you the potential, the upside potential, as Hubie Brown would say, for the World Baseball Classic. And that's the thing, that's the point, like looking ahead, you know, for how this game, you know, how this is going to go forward. The World Baseball Classic, like for everything you may want to read here, you know, people say here, oh, you know, look at all these players who aren't in and all. The World Baseball Classic is a success right now. I think so. Like, look at the crowd that you had for the championship game. Yeah, almost 55,000 people. Look at how much, you know, like Japan and South Korea basically stopped yeah. to watch that game. Yeah. You know, Cuba was following it. You know, the only place that the World Baseball Classic still has some work to do is in the U.S. And look at Canada. Look at the crowd they had for the U.S.-Canadian game. You know, so, uh, at the Rogers Center was stupendous. And you know, and you know what? Yes, there's work to do. The U.S. has not. I mean, it's, it's probably as with the timing it is, it's never going to eclipse March Madness or anything. Right. But if you're a baseball fan, I mean, this has been as enjoyable a March of baseball. I think so. As I can remember. Well, let's let's wrap up the podcast by taking our question. At, uh, this actually came into Prospects Blog, but it's podcast at baseballamerica.com. And then we'll also talk about spinning it forward, how to make the next classic better. Um, Robert Terrell writes that uh, appreciates the work we do. Uh, informative, interesting, entertaining as a baseball fan. I couldn't ask for more. Thank Absolutely. You, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Uh, he was at the Korea-Venezuela game, uh, the semifinal game. Uh, saw a te- saw what you guys did. A team that thrives on pressure destroy a team that buckled. Uh, it looked like Korea was better in all aspects of the game and pretty much top notch throughout the tournament. What was really surprising was Korea's pitching. Suck Min Yoon. We didn't even mention him. He was awesome. Uh, he struck out Bob Abreu in the third at bat on three consecutive changeups. Uh, questions are: How real is the argument MLB players are not ready? This is only applied to the U.S. players, those who don't play winter ball. It's starting to seem like an excuse, and he wants to know if there's scientific evidence that goes behind my casual observations. Uh, he also thinks that some of the greatest perpetrators are some of the American TV announcers who don't want to admit the world has changed since they played, and he gives credit to Steve Phillips. I have a couple thoughts on this. First, I got emails from scouts criticizing the American broadcaster for just this exact same same thing. It, so, Robert, I think you're right. I just, I, some of it maybe is a little jingoistic. I think the bottom line is— some of it is, also is, is just because— for lack of it's I mean, ignorance. Well, yeah, it's something where, you know, Suichi Murata walks up to the plate, and unlike when Bobby Abreu walks up to the plate, yeah. you've got to fill time, and a lot of times it's like, well, okay, I've got a stat line here. Well, how about a Gasawara? Gasawara walks up, and he has a crazy kind of bat flip at the end of his, when he gets started in his uh, stance. Nobody hits like that in the United States. That's one other thing I love about Asian baseball. The players are not cookie cutter. They didn't all watch the same DVD. They didn't all go to the same hitting thing. They didn't go to the same pitching thing. They all throw different pitches, different deliveries, but, different stances. And that's what a lot of times what plays in the big leagues. All the fear of Tim Lincecum as a pitcher was based on the fact that he is not like everyone else. And give me the guys who are exceptional who are different every time. That's who the special and, players are. Uh, like Agasawara is a great example of yeah. if you have – if you, digging down a little deeper, this guy is the best example of it. Is he's essentially the Keith Hernandez defensively right. of Japan, right. but maybe better than Keith Hernandez was defensively. Right. Well, but you don't hear about that at this, you know, so – because, I mean, and I understand that's, that's going to take some serious drilling down to get that. But if you don't get that, what ends up happening is, is oh, you know, okay, well, what we know, well, we can talk about American team. Well, why is the American team doing well? Well, you know, they're yes, and then you start making excuses and all. Right. But to get back to the scheduling, Robert said, like, are the players ready? Really, no, they're not. And the thing is, in Japan and in Korea, those teams started training 
in December and January for this event uh, because it meant more to them. Like you said, JJ, I think you put it the right way. Uh, Major League Baseball, in its mind, put more emphasis on it by opening camps earlier, moving spring training up, all those but kind that, of things. That's really not enough. That really, what happened is, is so you had that starters were a starter to ahead of where they would have been at right. this point in spring training. But a starter to ahead doesn't get you to midseason form. What it gets you to is... Okay, hopefully you'll. Form. Yeah, hopefully you won't be going through your dead arm face with Jake Peavy. He was going through his dead arm Correct. face. I think the the biggest question, the biggest change, whether it's USA Baseball or Venezuela, the Dominicans teams comprised of big leaguers or composed of big leaguers, uh, have to make for 2013 in my mind. JJ is pick their teams earlier, get firm commitments from those players in that roster, and that team has to train together as a team for at least a couple of weeks, I think, before the Classic. I, and, and I think that means stretching out. I think that means players working together. Uh, talking to a couple of U.S. players after this tournament so far, they all talked about the, the bonding that did occur, the fact that they uh, came together as a team quickly. They enjoyed being together. And yet I, I think some of that was just external us against the world mentality when every American media outlet was writing about and focusing on the players who turned down the Classic and focusing more on who wasn't there as opposed to who was. And, and one thing going ahead for 2013 is is that... Don't play Derek Jeter at shortstop. Well, <laughs> that really, yeah. A 40-year-old, really, please don't. But yeah. you don't have to build a team also. Like, yes, you're going to have stars on it. But, I mean, the example of when, you know, if you look at the provisional roster, okay, well, Derek Lee can't, pl- you know, isn't going to play. Okay, we can add Evan Longoria. And then, yes, having Evan Longoria team, great. But you know what? The U.S. would have been useful to have had a utility infielder yeah. of some sort. I mean, Mark DeRosa is the closest thing they had, right. you know, but Mark DeRosa no longer is a utility infielder. Correct. To have a guy who his home club is not going to say, no, you can't play him at second, no, you can't play him short, have somebody on that roster, you know, have a, you know, I mean, if it's Sean Figgins or, or whatever, but have yeah. a guy who, yeah, he's not a superstar, but you know what? Yes, if you need Army him, to, if he can play, you know, he can play second, he can play third, he can play outfield. A couple guys like that would actually be more useful to the team than right. having Jimmy Rollins and Derek Jeter at shortstop and alternating on each other. Yeah, I mean, like, like that's an all-star approach. That's not a win-the-world baseball classic approach. Uh, the other thing, uh, to further answer Robert's question, I do think that it sounds like excuses, but I think they are legitimate concerns that the U.S. team had about the schedule. I do think, J.J., we probably could agree that this event – probably is spread out too long. Oh, yeah. It could be compressed. The schedule could be compressed. I think that uh, you never play games in Miami again until, no, those, no, fans, no. until those fans respond. Uh, uh, and, plus, would... and plus, having a, a semifinal pool, a, a round two pool in Miami, you just weren't politically, you can't have the Cubans play in Miami. It's just going to be a zoo. And so you have the Cuban team has to go play in and San the... Diego, and that was almost unfair to them in a way. But then the other thing is, Think about it this way. The U.S. beats Puerto Rico in that dramatic game. So they advance. They're guaranteed to go to the final round, the semifinals and the finals, of the semifinal round, whatever, the final four. They are guaranteed to go to that. They still have to stay in Miami, play a game that means absolutely nothing against Venezuela, where David Wright fouls up off his foot and gets hurt. And then, because they have to stay there that extra day, they have to fly cross-country. So, yes, Cuba had to go to San Diego for that round. But if Cuba had won, Cuba's got a two-hour bus ride up to L.A., five hours of the traffic's bad, whatever. But the United States is flying cross-country. And then think of this is what the U.S. players who have Florida spring training had to do, guys like Derek Jeter. You play in that Miami round, 
Then you're flying cross-country to L.A. They had one hour to practice because four teams are practicing at Dodger Stadium. So they had a one-hour practice. That's not enough. We're talking about practice. They need more practice. Then they lose the next day. They don't even get to stay and take in Japan, Korea. They have to go back cross-country three more time zones again. So that's the dedication. I don't think anyone should question the dedication of the American players who were involved. I think you can question the dedication of players who turned it down. I think you can question uh, the dedication of the owners and the clubs who have agreed to do the World Baseball Classic as long as it's somebody else's players. To me, that is the problem, and... I really hope for the World Baseball Classic's sake and for American baseball's sake that in 2013 it's a tighter schedule, um, more games, uh, fewer games that are meaningless. You just eliminate. Yeah, we don't games care about the seeding. seeding games. You know what? Right. Whoever you know, you could if you flip a coin if you have to. You flip a coin if you have to. Yeah, that's fewer games, a little bit less revenue. I think it's worth it to have not much revenue players. on those games either because no one cares. No one cares. It's better to have uh, get more games that matter and better players playing a more compressed schedule, that is, in my mind, really what baseball is all about. It's an everyday thing. Even in a tournament, it's an everyday sport. And, uh, and, I, and I, one I, other I thing, those would be one other thing I would throw out, I understand you partly want to do it for TV in Asia and all, but, man, if we could start the championship game earlier than 9 10, 9, 20 next Yeah, that that would be helpful. I Eastern agree. time. The, the, we're, we're on the East Coast, but... The championship I, round games all started very, very late. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I wonder, in 2013, maybe we just should go ahead and have the semifinals and the let's finals play in, in Asia. Let's play I, it in Asia. Let's I play it in so. Japan. You I know what? You they've earned the, it. They've, they've earned they, it. There should be the rule, like, hey, you get first shot at it, posting it. You know what? You've won the last two. Have early round games and American spring training sites. I mean, have some games at Legends Field in Tampa. You'll fill that up. You won't have any trouble filling that up, and you'll have the atmosphere. Go to Cracker Jack where the Braves play. Uh, go to some of these brand-new facilities in Arizona, and if you need to have a bigger one, you can go to the what used to be known the Bob Chase Field in uh, for the Diamondbacks. Let's, I, that's where the fans already are. That's where the players already are. Let's have I'm, – I'm, I really don't think – I think it's too optimistic at this stage with American fans try to fill up a 40,000-seat uh, for, arena, a mid, for, for a, a second-round game. For a second-round game. That's absolutely right. Let's put in spring training uh, environments where the fans already are, where the players already are. Uh, that's where baseball fans are ready to go, and I, I think that improves the atmosphere, improves the tournament. And then let's go ahead and go overseas for some semifinals and finals or for some second-round games. Talk about games that are super on the line in Caracas or games that are super on the line in the Dominican or in Cuba. Let's go to Havana that for the second round. How awesome would that be? Hey, you know what? The United States says bring it on. Last time they played in Havana, they swept. The college kids won. The high school kids won. The pro team won. Uh, freaking uh, Michael Bourne and Brandon Wood took Pedro Lazo deep. So the United States says bring it on. Uh, in the United States, says, remember, next time you play Cuba, throw a Twins pitcher. Brian Dunsing and Kevin Slowey have uh, started the last two games of the U.S. won against Cuba. So I have many ideas on the World Baseball Classic. and Obviously, J.J. and I kind of wish it wasn't over. Part yes. of us, part of the way, we're happy that it is. Uh, we'll get more it, sleep now, but we'll get more sleep. Uh, the NCAA tournament also late starts. That's gonna that, that takes away from some sleep. But uh, I think we enjoyed the tournament, JJ. It's oh, I, say, I think this the is WBC week. Say, I, I had to say it. I mean, I love baseball, and I don't know if I'll enjoy anything baseball wise this year more. Hopefully, I'll enjoy some things as much. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll enjoy anything more than I enjoy the World Baseball Classic. I don't think there was any five-game series that I would enjoy more than the five games Japan and Korea played. Those were 
fantastic baseball games, and if you're a if you love just the game, the capital G game, you love those games, and you love the World Baseball Classic. So, we'll be back next week to talk, you know, Major League Baseball, the prospects, minor leagues, all that. But we really enjoyed talking the classic, and we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about the classic this month of March. For JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel at Baseball America. Again, check out our Twitter page at base, uh, twitter.com backslash Baseball America. Until next week, so long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.